Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody have a great week. Yeah, all right. Good week, good week, good week. A little snow this week. No big deal. Welcome to Wisconsin. Amen. And, uh, and then we'll be, it'll be gone and then it'll be something else. And something I love about Wisconsin, if you don't like the weather, just wait, it'll change, right? So that's just how it is. So this is a great, great, great place. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. So it's the first book in the New Testament if you're trying to find it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And uh, we're in the second part of this series on some assembly required where we're talking about relationships. Relationships take time. Relationships really should come with instructions, but they don't, right? And, and, and so there's, there's assembly that's required. There's work that's required. And sometimes even when you put everything together, you've got these parts that you don't really know what you missed. And kind of in time, you figure that out. And so this week, I want to talk to you about being rooted in relationship. Now, I hope you'll be back with you next week. I'm going to talk about endings in relationship. Because relationships, every relationship that you are in will end at some point in time. And so how do you do that? And what does the Bible give us examples or illustrations on that? And it won't be exhaustive. Um, Henry Cloud wrote a book on necessary endings, which is a great book on that subject. I'll talk a little bit about that next week. And Dr. Cloud kind of unpacks some things from a biblical perspective, as well as just a very psychologically sound perspective on how you end properly relationships, whether at work or home or wherever. Uh, relationships cha- transition and change, and you change and grow and transition. And so we're going to talk about that. Today, I want to, though, focus on, on how do you stay committed in relationship and the value of relationship. Uh, you could even take this talk, quite frankly, and, uh, and utilize this and these six principles I'm going to kind of teach today and how to lead in relationships. So if you kind of have a leadership bias or maybe you're in management or leadership in your corporation or your work, you actually could take this. And uh, you, I probably wouldn't use a chapter and verse, although maybe you could, and that'd be awesome. But, uh, but uh, again, uh, you could literally take this as a talk because it's, it's just very sound in, in both ways. Um, but the reality is God created us for relationship. God created you and I for relationship. And it's important to understand that because he didn't create us for achievement. He didn't create us to just uh, gather more and more and more stuff. He didn't create us for ourselves. He created us for relationship. First of all, he created us for relationship with him. And secondly, he created us for relationship with other people. You and I function best when we operate at our optimum level in relationship. We, we operate at our lowest amount of capacity when we are, are out of relationship. That's the reason why the enemy of your soul wants to try to bring as much division as he can in your life and much disunity as he can in your world, because if he can get you alone, he can defeat you. But together, in relationship with the Lord, in relationship with other people, you are much, much, much harder to defeat. And so that's why the Bible talks about that. Woe to the man that falls and nobody hears him when he falls. Uh, that, that it's, you know, God says of Adam and Eve, it's not good that man would be alone. So he makes a suitable helper for him. That doesn't make Eve lesser than Adam. It just makes her of equal value, but different role and function. And so we are to work together. Even some of the, the agendas that are happening in the world in which we live in today. Again, it's this competitive nature with each other. We're not, we were never created for that. We were created to complement each other, not to compete with each other. We're created for relationship. And we operate at our highest level when we have that relationship with the Lord and with each other. Think about the great, the, the great, the great uh, commandment. It's to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Vertical, horizontal. 
So we're created for a relationship. And God uses relationship to perform his will in your life more than he does anything else. God uses relationship to perform his will in your life more than anything else. We have this, this ideology from years ago that would say God works through divine appointment, where God just shows up and just magically, it's almost like something happens, God says, and here it is. And, and it, that can happen. But more times than not, God will work through divine relationship than he does through divine appointment. God will bring somebody, someone into your life that will mold you and shape you and help you become the person that God's called you to be. That he will bring a relationship in your life that will open a door for a partnership in business. He'll bring a relationship in your life and that person will be the person that you'll marry. Uh, he'll bring a relationship into your life that will be someone that will be a friend, like a Jonathan and David relationship that you'll stick together and help one another and walk with one another. Uh, he, he'll bring those relationships in and through your life. And sometimes he removes those relationships. Sometimes there are, are places where you're doing what God's called you to do and that other person's doing what God's called them to do and, and your paths, you, they just, they part. Uh, I had a roommate in college for three years from Indiana and uh, Gerald Stevens, a great guy. But Gerald and I, since graduation, uh, that was 1994 from my undergrad, we, we just, we don't really, he kind of went one direction, I kind of went another direction. And, and if I saw him, we'd be, hey, how are you? And what's going on? Tell me about your life and your family and what's, but, but we just, our paths just were in that season and that was it. Sometimes that happens. Again, we'll unpack some of that next weekend. But, but, but God works through relationship. God works through those points and those times. And so that's what I want to kind of put your antenna up today is that that's how God works. And so Matthew's gospel chapter one, there is a story here that we typically relegate to Christmas because it's the story of Mary and Joseph. Now, I don't want to be, uh, I'm not trying to be, how do I say this? Uh, oblivious or ambivalent, or um, I'm not trying to be unspiritual, but take Jesus out of the story for a minute, okay? Let, let's take Jesus, because I know he's the reason for the gospel and he's the whole thing and everything else, but there is this relational crisis that happens between this young man and this young woman who are engaged to be married, that if you just look at the narrative and you just look at what's happening and you kind of um, color it with amount of... Um, realism, you will see a crisis that you deal with and I deal with uh, that causes for some assembly to be required. So you've got Joseph. I want to tell you the story that I'm going to unpack it from scripture. You've got Joseph who is this, who is this, uh, the carpenter and uh, he, he has met Mary and Mary, they don't really come from someplace that's really great. Um, they come from someplace that's relatively obscure and, and, uh, and she's young. And, and so with, with, with youth comes a certain amount of idealism, certain amount of naivete, uh, all that stuff that happens. Uh, you've got Joseph who has probably, his father was a carpenter because that's kind of how it went. Whatever your dad did, you did, unless you were the exception to the rule. And if so, it would be noted. So it's typically inferred that this was kind of a, of a, my dad worked at the plant, my grandfather worked at the plant, so I'm working at the plant, kind of, an, of, of a thinking. And what would happen in the first century uh, when this is going on is that engagement was a big deal. It wasn't a fancy dinner with uh, this, this incredible proposal. Uh, it was more a, a process to which family, her family, his family would have been involved. Everybody would have known about it. Uh, he would have had to show that he was actually able to provide for her. Uh, great idea. And, uh, and so able to do all of that. And then, and then typically would go away to prepare a home um, for her and then come back. 
consequently, that's where we get the whole re- the second return of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. Jesus is the, is, the, is the groom. You and I, the church, are the bride of Christ. And so the groom will leave for a series of time, for a period of time to go f- prepare a physical home and then come back and get the bride. And then there's the wedding ceremony with all the families and everybody that's involved. And then they go to the home that the groom has prepared. And Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And so that, that's where that all comes from. So this is all happening. This is a really, really big deal. So think of it in 21st century. Joseph has asked Mary to marry him. And the families have all agreed and everybody's all agreed. And there's, there's, there's probably some, somebody, some goat or some sheep or something was exchanged and dowries and all that kind of stuff that went on. And, and at the end of the day, Joseph is now going to build a house. So he's gone to, you know, Washington County and he, he's got him five acres and, and, you know, north of Freistadt Road and he's building a house for her and this is where they're going to live and this is where they're going to do life and this is where they're going to raise their families and this is what they're going to do. And he's coming back now to let's, let's get married and do, do this whole ceremony and she says, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Now, if that's you and you've just bought five acres north of Freistadt Road in Washington County and, and you've built a house and now you're coming back and everybody knows you're supposed to get married because everything's happened and all of a sudden your to-be wife says, I'm pregnant, but hey, I'm, I'm a virgin still. Do you buy that? No. Are you guys, are, have you checked your brains at the door? Nobody would buy that. And you go, yeah, but I know, but that's a virgin birth and Jesus. But, but you have to understand, since that period of time, no one has ever, that's ever happened, or before or after. I mean, this is the only time in history that we know this happened, right? So now Joseph is in this crisis moment. Here's Mary, this woman that he loves, that, that, that he has, they, there's been this exchange between the families. He's going to go prepare this home. He's doing all of this stuff to make all this stuff happen and, and everything. And, and in the process of this, she's dropping this complete bomb that could just change everything. Because according to the law, the Old Testament, he would have been able to put her away. He would be able to divorce her. See, because the betrothal, the engagement period was much more of a contractual agreement at that point than what, even, what, what it would be for us. People break off engagements and give me the ring back. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't. But that's kind of what happens. No, no, no. In this point in time, there's a lot, right? So sheep and goats have to go back and all this stuff has to happen, right? I mean, everything. I mean, what are you going to do with the house and not sell it? And I mean, that's not cheap. It's five acres north of Freistadt Road and Washington County. I mean, I, I got all of this life going on. And so this is a huge crisis moment. And in the middle of this, we see this some assembly required that happens where Joseph has to make a choice. Is he going to be rooted in relationship or is he done? Is he going to stay committed or is he going to walk away? The law said he could walk away if he wants to. But there's more to it than that. And the process that he goes through in these few verses, if you look at it through human eyes, which is how you should read Scripture. Listen, don't read Scripture in some Pollyanna way. The Bible, for the most part, would be rated R if it was put into a, into, into a cinematic feature because there is some crazy stuff that goes on in scripture. I mean, there is everything under the sun. There's all this stuff that's going on. So, so let the grit and let the humanity and, and let the, 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 the funkiness and the weirdness and the, and the what did that just say? Think about it for just a moment. That's the reason why sometimes even as I read scripture, I'll read it in different translations 
Because again, you're going back from an original language of Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek into an English language. And sometimes there are certain things that just don't completely translate. So I want to see what different scholars would kind of project upon that passage and then kind of ruminate on that to figure out, okay, really, what's the storyline here? This is the storyline. Joseph has a decision to make. And there, there are six principles that we kind of see that, that he processes through that I think are key that if you're going to lead in relationships and you're going to stay rooted in relationships, these are the six kind of observations, assembly points, if you would, that, that you're going to have to do. So first, we, we, we see here that Joseph favored a bigger commitment. He favored a bigger commitment. He was about commitment makes a love last, not love that makes a commitment last. Now, I want you to go to, the, to, to chapter 1. Verse 18 and 19, it said this, and when his mother, speaking of Jesus, Jesus' mother, Mary, had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph before they came together, which means before they, they were actually married and, and had sex and consummated their relationship, she was found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit and Joseph, her husband. That's interesting because again, you go from an engagement betrothal period to being a husband. So the Bible states that this is a decision that Joseph is making at this point in time. I'm committed to her. Now, what this is going to look like, he's trying to figure out, but I'm committed. I, I'm, I'm not flighty. It's not like I'm engaged. I just want my ring back and go on. You've hurt me. You've made me mad. We're, we're, we're no longer, I'm, I'm going to take my status on Facebook from, from, from engaged and, and with somebody to single, right? I'm, I'm literally going to tell the world I'm done with you. I'm just, no, no, no. He's making a decision in that moment that he is going to be her husband. He's going to act as her husband. Now he's got some decisions to make. He's got some choices to make because she's just kind of dropped this bomb on him. So before they put carpet in, a, in the new house that he's building, let, let, let's just stop for a minute and, and let me figure this out. But he favored commitment. Now, normal reaction when you deal with a relational crisis is how does this affect me? How does this affect me? But a better reaction that we see with Joseph in, the, in relational crisis is how will this affect others? Joseph isn't just thinking about himself, he's thinking about Mary. He's not just thinking about how this affects him, he's thinking about how this will affect them. That's important because we live in a world that really wants what's, what's in your best interest and what do you wanna do? And it's all about you. It, I, when I get resumes or people that write about themselves, I will literally go through with a red marker and write and circle the numbers of uh, the, every personal pronoun that's used. How many times do they refer to themselves? I, me, or my? Because again, it gives me an idea of how do they view themselves? How are they all that in a bag of chips and a little Debbie cake? I mean, do they think that like they, they, they wrote the sun, moon, and stars? I mean, do they think that they're the second coming? I mean, what, what, who do they, how do they view themselves? I, I, again, again, we have live in a world that promotes that and pushes that and everything's about that. And if it doesn't, if you're not happy, then get out of the marriage. If, if you're not happy, then just sever the relationship. If, if it's not in your best interest, then just drop it. If it doesn't help you accomplish your life goal, then just forget it. But that's not what Jesus teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what Joseph did. Joseph said, look, I'm in a committed relationship. Therefore, I've got to make a decision how this is going to play out. But my first choice is not just going to be about me. It's going to be about we. It's not just going to be what's in my best interest. It's what's going to be in our best interest. How much better would our world be if we, as, as, as men and women, didn't just think about ourselves, but we thought about others? 
didn't just think about what's best for me, but what's best for my marriage. What's not what just best for me, but what's best for my kids. Not what's just best for, for, uh, for, 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 for one aspect of the relationship, but what's best for other. In my work, when I'm leading people, not what's just in my best interest, but what's in the best interest of the people that work with me. Uh, we, in the last probably 10 years, insurance has been crazy and for companies. And so, and so church, Life Church, we have around 24 to 30 employees that are here. And so we're, we'd be considered a small business and, and all of that. But, but we, you know, we, we offer insurance. And, and so depend upon if you're full-time, part-time, temporary, part-time, temporary, full-time, uh, the policy procedure manual kind of uh, lays all that out of, what, of how much we pay and what we don't pay and whatever. But we have pretty good insurance. And, and it's one of those things that I really don't want people that work at Life Church to have to worry about their families. I want them to worry about you. Does that make any sense? So if they're concerned about what's happening in their home, they can't be concerned about what's happening in ministry and serving other people. And so there was, there's, been some, there's been several times where, where in those decisions that are made, the insurance that we currently had was really good for me, but it really didn't serve other people well. And, and in order to go to something that served other people, it was lesser for me, but it was better for the whole. And it's in those moments where nobody knows that. You don't know that. The, the, the board, they, they kind of see a bottom line number. They don't, as long as the budget works, they're, they're, they're trusting in that kind of a deal. But I know that. And so I have to stop for a minute and kind of go, what's in my best interest or what's in our best interest? And, and there are times as a leader, you have to put the people that you're serving in front of yourself. You have to put the people that you're serving in front of yourself. It's, 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 it's truly that way. This is what Joseph is doing. He's, he's favoring commitment, right? He's favoring commitment over anything else. Second thing we see that he does is he favors a bigger solution. He favors a bigger solution. He's looking for a larger solution. Verse 19, and Joseph being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her. Two things that are driving him. The fact that he's a righteous man and he does not want to do harm to her. He does not want to hurt her. So righteous, don't think of righteous. We think of righteous as, as ah, it's like he's holy or he's whatever, right? No, no, no. Righteous means that being so right with God that it affects every decision in your life. That's what righteous means. So in essence, Joseph is so in touch with the Lord. He's so connected with the Holy Spirit. He's so listening. God, what do you want me to do? Palms up. How do I handle this situation? How, how do I deal with this? That he's so wanting to connect and make sure that he's right with the Lord and he's right with others. He's putting the Lord and in this point in time, neighbor Mary in front of himself. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, righteousness, and love your neighbor as yourself, Mary. I'm looking for a bigger solution here. I'm not looking so, I'm not so, um, microscopic and so focused on me. How does this affect me? And what about this house that I built? And what about this? And what are people going to think? And what about, what about, what about, and what about my career? And what about the trajectory? And, and he doesn't, he goes, okay, let, let, let me get out of this, this, this micro into the macro. Let me get off of this small little issue, which is a huge issue because now I've got this woman that I'm engaged to that says she's the only woman in history that's conceived of the Holy Spirit. Wow, okay, and I've got to deal with that, and now I've got to get to the, to the what, what's the bigger solution? The bigger solution is, God, what do you want? Because you were here before I ever got here, and you're going to be here when I'm done. God, what, what, what happens with Mary? 
This, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than her. Th this is bigger. See, sometimes we get so microscopic in relationships and so microscopic that we don't step out and look at the macro and go, how does this affect? How does this, how, how does this play out? Really, what's the long-term effect of this? Is this really that big of a deal or is it not? Is this really something I should be concerned about or really not? I, I, need, I just need to pull back. But the heart of Joseph is he wanted to be right with God and he wanted to make sure that she was okay. He, he's not even in the equation. Even when you see the, the wrestling in his own spheres, we pack it out. He's not in the equation. God, what do you want and what's best for her? He, cause he, and you gotta stop for a minute at this point. He doesn't know if she's telling the truth. If he knows that she's telling the truth, then no question, this is a God thing. But he's having to figure it out. See, sometimes we read way to the end of the story. We got to understand these people are walking this stuff out in real time. And there may be one sentence or one verse to the next verse. And there could be a year time span that, 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 that takes place. There, there, could, there could be this. We don't know if it was days or weeks that this is happening. But we know that there is this. We know there's a nine-month period. But, but beyond that, that's all we know. He's having to process this out. And that's important to understand. That's, that's how God works. He works through relationship, not just through appointment. It would be easy. It would require no faith if God just texted you what you need to do this afternoon. But it's the processing. And right now, as I'm talking, you are kind of spiderwebbing. You're kind of all over mentally, very mosaically thinking of how does this affect this? And what about this? And what about that? And what about, and you should be because it's the processing. It's giving yourself time to processively think. This is not easy. If it was easy to be a Christian, everybody would do it. It is easy to be critical of Christians, but it is very, very, very intentional and focused in order to walk this out. So Joseph looks for this, this, this bigger solution. Now we go on and we find that Joseph followed a bigger purpose. So not only is he looking for a big solution, he's looking for a bigger purpose. Purpose is important. Why am I here? How does this connect? How does this affect? Look at verse 20. But when he had considered this, he's looking at all the options that he has and what Mary's told him. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, I think it's interesting. I'm not trying to read too much into it, but as I walk through this narrative, one of the things that's interesting to me is he's giving himself time to consider. He's reflecting. He's processing. <laughs> you got to give yourself time to process in life. You got to get time to get away and kind of sharpen the axe. You've got to get time where you pull away from everything else that's going on. You, you power everything off and you just get away to think and to process. And the bigger the decision, the more process time you're going to need. The, the, the bigger the ramifications of the decision, maybe the more process time you're going to need. And, and so the angel doesn't show up immediately. The angel only shows up as he's internally wrestling with this, as he's processing this, as he's considering this. So I can just see him, he gets in his truck and he's going to work and he's thinking about it and he's praying about it and he's working throughout the day and he's getting his job done, but he's this is weighing on him and he's processing and at night he's kind of quiet and he's kind of processing this. And when he's laying there and, and, and going to go to sleep at night, he's looking up at the ceiling and, and he's wrestling with all these thoughts and these feelings and these emotions. He's trying to play every single thing out. And again, he, this is the thing. He's a young man. He doesn't have the, he does not have the, the benefit of, of, of having the Bible. He doesn't know how this plays out. He doesn't have the benefit of seeing what Jesus' life's going to be. He doesn't have the benefit of age and wisdom. 
Can I tell you, if you're younger in this room, you need to find someone that's 20 years older than you and talk to them about life. Because there are things at 20 that you think are a big deal that aren't a big deal. And a 45 year old will tell you, don't worry about it. that. That will take care of itself. But this is something that you need to worry about. This is something that if you don't handle this, this is gonna eat your lunch. I had a young, a young pastor call me the other day and said, hey man, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. And basically I'm kind of getting being let go and blah, 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 blah. And I was talking to him and I said, take a deep breath. They're, they're, they're not gonna kill you and they won't eat you. Okay, so you're gonna live. But, but, but I got this and I, I, I got all that. But just, I'm telling you, let me give you some benefit from, from just some wisdom and some experience. Being 20, 25 years, you're, you're, you're senior. Take a deep breath. They're not gonna kill you. They won't eat you. This is not a big issue. But what I'm about to tell you is you need to navigate these three things because if you don't do this correctly, this is what's gonna eat your lunch. And this is what, you're not paying attention to this at all. This is the lion that's about to come in and just literally eat your lunch. This that you're worried about, that'll take care of itself. I, I promise you, I promise you, I will put money on it. I promise you, just take a deep breath, but focus on this. You do this, this, and this, and do not miss anything that I'm saying. And, I'm, and, and, and don't read into it, don't overplay it, but do exactly what I'm telling you to do. Joseph doesn't have that benefit. He's this young man trying to consider, but when he does that, all of a sudden, then that's when the angel of the Lord shows up. He's being sensitive to God's purpose. He's trying to figure out how does this fit? And when you're sensitive to God's purpose, sometimes it means you change your plans. You thought you were going here, but you're going there. You thought it was gonna play out this way, but it plays out that way. You thought that you were going to, this company that you dreamt about, this is what was gonna happen, but actually it really doesn't play out that way. It, it, sometimes it means that you have to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. That all of a sudden you, you, you go, whoa, this is crazy. I mean, and for Joseph, that's really a true thing. He, he eventually is gonna to have to believe that, that, that what Mary says is true and, and God's gonna confirm it to him which is what happens, that's how God works. He confirms it, right? Don't ever just take what somebody else, somebody else comes to you and says, God said, if it doesn't, if it doesn't bear witness in your own spirit, if, it doesn't, if it's not confirmed in your own spirit, then shake it off because God will speak to you about you, but he may bring somebody else to confirm his word or to speak something into your life that, that you go, okay, that, that resonates. But if it doesn't resonate, I don't care who, I don't care if it's me, shake it off. So, but there are times where you're gonna trust God. You're gonna, this doesn't make sense, but this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And it, it's like when I came to Wisconsin, I, I, I remember the only time I'd ever been to Wisconsin before was I was at a youth pastor's uh, conference in Rockford, Illinois, went to Beloit and it was April and it was snowing. And I said out loud, who in their right mind lives here? Little did I know I'd be one of those people that wasn't in my right mind living here, right? And loving it. But it just, it, it was never on the map but it was for God. And I have the benefit now of seeing the wisdom of God in it. I don't in the moment. That's what happens. But I have to make the right decision in the moment. So if I don't make the right decision in the moment, I never get the benefit of the decision. That's why this is so important. You are facing decisions today that if you make the wrong decision, it's gonna play out, but it's not gonna play out quite the way that you wanted it to. And that your plans are gonna have to change and that you're gonna have to trust God when it doesn't make sense. And maybe when other people don't even understand. But this is what you know God called you to do. This is what you know you're supposed to do. This is the right thing to do. That's Joseph, he followed a bigger purpose. Next, Joseph focused on a bigger picture. 
He focused on a bigger picture. Verse 22 says, And now all this took place, that what might be spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. When you do what God asks you to do when it comes to relationship in your life, you're going to have to be focused on a bigger picture. There's more to the story than what you see. Leading others requires the ability to endure the now and remain committed in the now, even when there are no signs of the next. Leading other people, leading in relationships, being rooted in relationship is going to require the ability to remain in the now and remain committed in the now, even when there's no evident signs of the next. You know what God's put in your heart. You know what he's placed in your heart, but it doesn't seem like that's going to become a reality. But you have to remain committed. It's the bigger picture. It's, I don't see it all. I don't get it all. But I just know that there's more to this than what's happening. Next, Joseph foresaw a bigger risk. He saw a bigger risk. Again, anytime you're in relationship, there's going to be risks that are going to be involved. Look at verse 24. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took her as his wife. The angel of the Lord commanded Joseph and told Joseph, what, what's happened is of the Lord. This is of the Holy Spirit. This is how what God is doing, and this is, and this is what you need to do. God spoke to him directly. How does God speak to you and I? First of all, primarily through his word. Secondarily, through, through teaching and preaching of his word. But he can also do some miraculous things sometimes. Can God speak to you through a dream? Yeah. How, is it, how do you know that? Because it happened in scripture. Can God speak to you audibly? It's never happened to me, but yeah, he could because it's, it's in scripture. Can God speak through other people in your life? Absolutely, because it's in scripture. But it will always resonate with the spirit that's inside of you. That's the reason why the Holy Spirit's inside of you. It's not your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. That's different. Your conscience isn't it. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's a person. Right? Triune Godhead, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the power of Christ, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he is, and the, the Greek word for him is paraclete, which is one that leads, one that walks alongside. He's the one that says, ah, this isn't, don't go this way. And he's the one, this is totally fine. And you're trying to, you're trying to decide, should I get the, the souffle or should I get the creme brulee? And the Holy Spirit's the one that tells you, go with the souffle, amen? You know what I'm saying? Whatever it may be, I'm being funny, but you understand it's that power, that it's there, it's resonant inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit is leading you. That's what's happening. There are times when you're going to be in relationship that it's going to take a risk. What do you mean? There are seasons in your life where, 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 where quite frankly, everybody else is jumping ship, but you're committed to staying on board because you know it's the right thing to do because you're listening to the voice of the Lord. So there's four times in, in Joseph's life, I don't have time to unpack all this, but we see it here in chapter one and chapter two, where to marry to Mary, Mary he, he's listening, to God speaks to him and he takes this bigger risk and, and he follows God. And in chapter two, he'll escape King Herod and the genocide that Herod's trying to impose upon the nation of Israel in order to kill the Christ child. And they'll, they'll go to Egypt. And then the angel of the Lord will speak to him again and he'll come back and he'll return to Israel. And then the Lord will speak to him again and he'll go to Nazareth. Every time in Joseph's life, God speaks to him and speaks to him through dreams. You know how God speaks. This is what's interesting to me. The drug addict that's on the street that's far away from God knows the voice of God when the voice of God speaks. The person that is, that is in sin and in bondage, they know the voice of God when the voice of God speaks. 
The person that's been raised in church all their life and that's all they know, they know the voice of God when the voice of God speaks. God is speaking. The question isn't, does God speak? The question is, are you taking time to listen? Are you slowing the RPMs down? Are you reflecting and considering and processing and leaning out your own understanding and looking to him so that he can speak to you through his word, through preaching and teaching, through other Christ followers? And lastly, Joseph fulfills a bigger influence. This is, this is the, when you get it right, this is the bonus. This is, the, this is, the, this is it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, and he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. The name Jesus is not given to Mary to give to Jesus. It's given to Joseph. That name that's above every name, that name that we close every prayer in, Joseph, because he stayed committed in relationship, because he stayed rooted in relationship, There's a larger influence. There's something greater that's going on in the moment than what he sees. And that's true in your life and my life. The decision that you're st- making today to stay committed in the relationship, the decision that you're making today to stay rooted in the relationship, the decision that you're making today to lead in the relationship has much bigger consequences than what you see right now in the moment. There's influence. And if you choose wisely and you choose correctly, then the doors began to open. Not automatically, it's a process. But they began to open. Because you have what you have today because that's what you can handle. You think, we all think we can handle more than what we have, but the truth is we can't. The truth is if you had everything you wanted today, it would crush you. You gotta build your strength. There may come a day that you can bench press 275 or 325, but today you're kind of at a buck 25. I mean, you're just at 125. So you, if, if we put the 325 on there, you, 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 your arms will collapse. There, there's just no way. You gotta grow into that and work into that and process into that. But how does that happen? By being rooted in relationship. And that's my prayer for all of us, is that we will always be a people that are leading and rooted in relationship. Let the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbors ourself. Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for how you speak to us. I thank you, Lord, for the people and the dynamics that are happening in scripture. And I just pray that your blessings would be upon your word in our lives in Jesus' name, amen.